Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. We have Jonathan Levine from Jonathan's The Rub coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined this week by my frequent co-host, good friend, local restaurant consultant, Nathan Ketchum. Nathan, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I see a good friend is back in the title. Good friend is back. You didn't blow me off for, I don't know, whatever you did last time that had me snub you as good friend. All right. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I probably did it on purpose. You probably did. All right, let's start. Let's dive into the news of the week. Starting with another friend of ours, Lee Ellis, one of the founders of Cherry Pie Hospitality. He founded that restaurant group a couple of years ago after leaving Feed Texas, the company behind Liberty Kitchen. When he did that, he took two restaurants into that group with him, Petite Suites, the dessert shop in Upper Kirby, and Lee's Fried Chicken and Donuts in the Heights. Since he did that, they have opened three more restaurants, Pie Pizza, Starfish and State Fair. And then last week it came out that Lee is no longer an employee of Cherry Pie Hospitality, but he is still a shareholder. Uh, As I said, we know Lee pretty well. We dine with him on a semi-regular basis. I was very surprised by this news. And so, Nathan, I'm just going to throw it to you. What do you think about the prospects of Cherry Pie Hospitality without Lee Ellis as a key contributor to it the news was very surprising uh obviously we know lee well uh we spend you know we we dine out with him love to hear his opinion on things love to hear him complain about everything uh that is his personality Uh, i was a giant surprise uh it's not something that uh, i had any information about ahead of time which is uh one of the reasons why was it such a surprise, obviously. Um, but uh, the restaurants that are currently here in Houston, I think Lee uh, and Jim uh, has set them up. They've set them up for success. I think they're going to be able to continue to operate uh, and, and do well. They, they have great reputations. They've operated well. They've uh, built up a lot of goodwill in their communities. So uh, even without Lee and his eye for you know making sure things are done well, done perfectly uh, i think they'll still be able to do well they they won't be able to operate in that kind of you know fashion where every little nook and cranny is perfect but um they're you know they're set up to function without them uh and i guess that is uh you know in part to how good lee set them up yeah i think that is an important point you know lee certainly has an eye for talent He has put talented people in place, both in the kitchen and in the front of the house, especially at Starfish and at State Fair. And Chris Vestal, the CEO of Cherry Pie Hospitality, who talked to me, said, you know, we're going to, you know, we're not, you know, disregarding Lee's contributions to the company. We're going to maintain his standards. And as you alluded to, Jim Mills, who is the COO of Cherry Pie Hospitality, I I didn't know that was Jim's title until last week. But he is the, the head of culinary, certainly. He is still involved with the company. And so he's there to maintain the standards in the kitchens. 
I do think it, it's certainly a loss for Cherry Pie. Lee has been the face of their restaurants, really. He's been their media contact. He's, you know, there's he is enshrined in neon in front of Lee's Fried Chicken and Donuts. And his design aesthetic informs the look of the other three restaurants. So I, I'm with you. I think, I think this is a loss, but I don't think it's fatal by any stretch of the imagination. I think the cherry pie concepts can continue and that there are key people in place at all the restaurants who can maintain standards and keep the quality up. Yeah, the potential growth for the company has changed. The, the growth arc has changed drastically. Any future concepts to open within Cherry Pie will be a completely different concept, a completely different beast. If they open another state fair, which I know aspirations to open multiple state fairs was something the company was looking at, they will be a different restaurant than the original state fair. Uh, Lee's aesthetic, something you, you just mentioned, was very specific and something that was very unique to every restaurant, and that won't be something that will be included. They, they may try to just mimic the original State Fair, um, and that's not something that Lee would have done. He would have tried to make it unique to each location and to, to what he was feeling at the time, uh, and it's something that's always succeeded for him. The, uh, you know, his staffing abilities, he, he's, I've never worked for the guy, obviously, uh, he's supposed to be a hard guy to work for, but also a rewarding guy to work for. Um, he d- demands a lot of his employees, but uh, can bring the best out of them from from understanding, from talking to previous employees. I've never had to work for him or never had the ability to work for him. Uh, so, you know, this is just, uh, you know, secondhand knowledge here. But right. but you would. Yeah, in certain capacities, I, I, I would work for Lee. Uh, we may yell at each other a lot, but uh, um, I think that would probably get a really good product at the end of the day. Yeah, I in terms of their local growth, Lee had been talking about opening a barbecue concept called Ellis Brothers. There had been some talk about uh, Lee's Creamery on 19th Street in the Heights. As far as I can tell, those plans are on hold or maybe not going to come to fruition. Uh, and I, I should clarify, Lee has not been willing to discuss why this happened, why he's no longer with Cherry Pie. Uh, Cherry Pie certainly isn't saying either. Uh, hopefully when he's ready to talk about his next move, because I don't, I don't think this is the last we've heard of Lee Ellis. I, no matter what happens with the future of Cherry Pie, I feel like he's still probably got some plans that he wants to bring to fruition somewhere down the road. Yeah, Lee's not the type of guy to, to sit around and do nothing. Uh, he's already out in Round Rock kicking up dust and... And working the door at uh, yeah, taking over for Bud Royer at Royer's Round Top Cafe. So if you go there, uh, you might see Lee. You might see Lee out front instead of instead of Bud Royer. Yeah, Round Top. Uh, he, uh, I'm sure we will see him again, whether it is in Houston or a different city. Not not sure about that. Uh, I have a feeling it will be Houston, but um, again, I think a lot of things are going to have to play out first. I have absolutely no concrete clue as to what happened, why he's not with the company. Um, I will have lunch with Lee soon and hopefully figure that one out. Oh, good. You'll Um, have to report back. Yeah. Um, But uh, I'm sure we'll have another Lee Ellis concept soon. The fact that Lee's uh, Creamery is not opening 
uh, at least in its in its iteration that should have or would have been opening soon, I think is a detriment for the ice cream uh, aspects of Houston because those are some delicious ice cream. Yeah, we we are regular Petite Sweets customers. We are regular consumers of the Lee's Creamery ice cream and to have had a dedicated ice cream shop with sundays and milkshakes and banana splits and all that would have been a lot of fun uh but i don't think it my my understanding of the current situation is that that is not going to happen at least not at the location in the heights that they had selected for it so we will see what hap- what the future is for for lee and for cherry pie but uh, it's certainly one of the more surprising personnel moves uh i'd say at least since danny trace left brennan's and maybe even farther back than that yeah and like you said uh lee's fried chicken and donuts it's literally has his name in it and he's enshrined in neon outside there's a giant lee in neon bearded black you know wearing knee lee in neon i mean what are they gonna do with that that's that's just i i have no clue what what's gonna go on with that yeah i think that's there I now mean, I, yeah now now they're just gonna say hey it's a it's that zz top guy instead of that's right. Yeah. Not, it's not Billy. Who's the one? Dusty, he, right? Right. Not Dusty. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, better news. Pizarro's, one of our favorite places for pizza. Uh, they have two locations, one in Montrose and the original in the Memorial area. Uh, since the Montrose store opened, they have changed it to be not just Neapolitan pizza, but also to add a deck oven with, New York style and Detroit style pizza, two styles I really enjoy, but the Memorial store was not big enough to add an oven. So they are going to relocate to a new spot on the Katy freeway. It's about a mile and a half from their current Memorial location that will allow them to run the same menu at both restaurants. Uh, Nathan, I'm not sure there's a whole lot to say about this other than that. It's really good news for people who live in the Memorial area and like eating good pizza. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good decision on them for on two sides. Uh, one, uh, it's always smart for restaurants to consolidate their menus, have the same menu at all locations, and then two, uh, I know they've been having trouble with construction, just continually kind of draining their business, people uh, having problems getting into their locations, uh, and then I guess I can add a three a delivery. I know that they've had a lot more luck with the delivery aspect of pizza with the New York and Detroit, excuse me, the New York and Detroit styles pizza uh, is more deliverable and people prefer them in delivery terms rather than the Neapolitan style pizza. Yes. Neapolitan pizza really doesn't travel well. Basically you want to eat that as soon as it comes out of the oven. Yeah. Uh, And you know, I, I, the Fino pizza at Pizarro's, if you hadn't have it, it's delicious. It's probably the best pizza in the city. Um, I know you really like the Detroit style pizza there. You like that, you know, crispy cheese. Crust. I do. I like that burnt cheddar crust. Yeah. Um, but I can't get over that fino. Uh, what is the fino? I think it's goat cheese, another type of cheese. Mm-hmm. Now that you ask me, I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what it is. Right. Um, but it's just. It's, it's one of the Neapolitan pies. Yeah, it's one of the Neapolitan ones. It is delicious. Uh, they have a. They also have a smoked. Um, like a smoked Gouda one that's really great. I don't remember the name of that one. Uh, but again, the I really like the New York style one because it's it's more of like, hey, I'm just 
when I think of what a pizza is, I think of New York style pizza. Right. A kind of, you know, a round pie, like a crust of medium thickness. Yeah. With pepperoni or, right. you know, Italian sausage, things like that. So the, the, those pizzas, being able to do all three makes them really cool, makes them a unique style pizzeria in Houston, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as far as I know, they're the only pizzeria in Houston that serves Detroit style. And most of the other places that serve Neapolitan don't serve an additional style. So it gives them a diversity that I don't think another pizzeria in Houston matches. Yeah, they're serving three really unique styles. Uh, and they do it all well. All three of them, they're doing very well. So the fact that they can do that now in their memorial, which was their original location, I know they have a really strong following over there. I think will be really great for them. Yeah. Timing's a little bit uncertain. They're still in the design and permitting phase, but hopefully uh, by the end of the year, the new location will be ready. And the the children are running the stores now, not... Yeah, I mean, Bill, so Bill Hutchinson, the, the person who started it, uh, is still involved. He was there when I, I went there, but his daughter, Nicole Bean, her husband, Brad, and his son, Matt, are basically in charge of the day-to-day yeah i think uh they alluded to the fact that they 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 run it they let the dad hang around and pretend to run things um obviously he started everything he knows what he's talking about um but it was time to let the the kids take over um the daughter has all the certifications correct? yeah she's been to the pizza school in california so she so she's the master recipe developer and and when i was there with a couple friends of ours for lunch and and to conduct this interview she made us the pizza that she competed with at the pizza expo in las vegas which was a deep dish detroit style pizza with a nutella in the dough topped with uh, ricotta candied kumquat and a chocolate balsamic drizzle that was absolutely killer a, a, a dessert pizza but a very balanced dessert pizza in terms of its flavor and sweetness I believe you that that tasted good. I, I, I'm not sure I would ever order that, but I believe you that that tasted good. Well, it's it's kind of a one-off. It's not it's not yeah. likely to appear on the menu, but it can be ordered in advance for anyone who's listening to this and wants to try it. You just I'm not even sure. I'm not I'm not you know give her a couple of days. It had a 48 hour fermentation. Oh, but if you want to order a, a competition dessert pizza, there you go. Yeah, it's. It takes a little bit of doing, but it, it can be done. All right, let us move on. Houston is the city of a million steakhouses. We've we've discussed this many times before, uh, but there are still people who see opportunity for more, including a Denver chef named Troy Guard. He is bringing his Guard and Grace Steakhouse to the Allen Center downtown uh, sometime next year, summer of 2019. But it was announced last week. It looks good. The pictures look good. The food looks good. It's apparently very successful in Denver. There are no shortage of steakhouses downtown. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's uh, Morton's, Three Forks, Shula's, Pappas Brothers, Vic and Anthony's. Probably missing one or two. So certainly, uh, oh, and B&B Butchers is right down the street from downtown. So certainly Garden Grace enters a competitive steakhouse market. But, you know, Nathan, we, we seem to have a limitless capacity for steak in this town. Yeah, you know, when I look at the rest, uh, the Houston restaurant market, 
uh, to see what gaping hole is missing. A giant steakhouse in downtown is that's blatantly what needs more. You know, we need more of um, not, you know, a great sandwich restaurant, not more Italian restaurants, not, you know, a, a Creole seafood restaurant, not anything like that. We need a giant downtown fancy steakhouse because um, that's what we're missing in this this city is more more meat, more steak, more everything. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. If you can't tell by the by the tone of my voice, you're laying it on pretty thick. I think people understand. Okay, just uh, wanted to get that across. But you know, we've been recently to Dory Metropolitan and River Oaks Steakhouse that does things a little bit differently in terms of its sides and starters. A meal that we both enjoyed very much, I would say. Uh, a restaurant I would go back to. I love Doris. The steaks, I could I could go there and completely ignore the steaks. I probably will go back and, and never order a steak. The rest of the restaurant is so great that it covers up the fact that it's another steakhouse in the city. The steaks are great. I don't want to I don't want to cover that up. Uh, but the rest of that restaurant is so great that it makes up for it. Hopefully, Garden Grace will will be like that. Um, I don't know much about the restaurant tour or the restaurant. I know it, it's very popular in Denver. It's from Denver, correct? It's from Denver. It, it, I know it's very popular. Um, I had not heard of it before that, but I, I you know just doing a little research and stuff about it. It seems very popular. Has great reviews. Some well respected people really like it. So hopefully, it's another you know kind of. Uh, hit do you know how they're going to cook the steaks i don't okay i i didn't i didn't see that um it's a thirteen thousand square foot uh yes two-story, two-story restaurant with private dining space and a, a big patio there's like a big green space in the allen center that was created as part of some renovations there so so it'll probably be an infrared broiler steakhouse like all the other big ones right right yeah i don't see them I don't see them searing them off on cast iron or anything. Yeah, like we we've had the discussion. Uh, I've had this discuss, discussion with you multiple times. I I would not lambast the steakhouse that's going to open up and do a a you know a butter basted you know cast iron or blue steel um, seared steak, which hopefully is what Shepherd is going to do. I yeah, hopefully quite... yes, hopefully Chris Shepherd Steakhouse Georgia and James will do that because that's what they did at One Fifth Steak. Yeah. Um, because that 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 would be a, a unique preparation and a um, a better prepula- preparation from my standpoint. So we'll see. I don't know much about it. It will probably be very successful. It's in a fantastic location for a steakhouse. Uh, that brand new Allen Center kind of park area. Uh, it's real close to you know Chevron Oil. It's going to be competing directly with the Shula Steakhouse that you mentioned earlier. Um, maybe, maybe we'll finally see Shula's clothes. You know, I've never met a Houstonian that actually eats there. I've never eaten there. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see how that all plays out. And then finally, I do just want to touch on the news that the family that owns King's Beer House and King's Beer Garden has announced that they're going to open a breakfast concept in... You know, I'm never 100% sure if that King's Beer Garden is in Shady Acres or in Lazy Brook Timber Grove. It's it's right there at Ella and T.C. Jester, which I feel like is the line. I know that's not the Heights, that people in the Heights get very upset when you call that area the Heights. 
because you're west of Shepherd Durham. So what's what's the name of this restaurant? Uh, so it's called Egg House Gourmet, and it's going to be a fast casual breakfast concept. They've been doing kolache pop ups for a couple of years, so this will build on that. King's recently launched a brunch menu, so this will build on some of that. Uh, but you know, there seems to be like a fairly again breakfast breakfast concepts seem to be very popular. Obviously, Snooze is growing very rapidly. Uh, La Peep has been revitalized with that new location in the gallery area. Dish Society has done very well doing breakfast. Adair Kitchen has done very well doing breakfast. So it's on brand for the King's folks to sell kolaches and egg sandwiches and stuff. And I, I think, you know, this is going to be a nice addition for them. This would be like a fast casual concept? That's my understanding. Counter service... You know, if it's if it's a king's spin on a place like Golden Bagel, but with, you know, kolaches and sandwiches instead of bagels, then, you know, more power to them. Yeah, breakfast, obviously, from a financial standpoint, always has one of the best return on investments. You, know, you can keep your labor a little lower. The food costs can be fantastic. Eggs are obviously very cheap. I, I saw that they were going to, Use cage-free eggs, which are more expensive, so the, um, they can trade that cost through on the, the price of the the food. The Do you know what type of kolaches? I haven't paid much attention. So they do a whole bunch of different sausage-based kolaches. It's, you know, it, please don't, please don't, please don't email me with the difference yeah, between the, a fruit kolache and a meat kloblasnik. I don't, I don't care. I am not that pedantic. But yes, they will do sweet and savory Fruit and meat kolaches, as they have been doing with their pop-ups. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. something to pay attention to, for sure. Something to pay attention to, probably opening later this summer, and knowing the Kings folks, probably the first location, but not the last one. All right. That does it for the News of the Week. We will be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Nathan, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to talk about a place that, uh, to peek behind the curtain, we just had lunch, Fiji's Barbecue, the new barbecue restaurant in Greenway Plaza from Chefs Patrick and Aaron Fiji's. Had them on the show a few weeks ago to talk about Fiji's Barbecue. We've been following the development of this restaurant pretty closely. We've been to their pop-ups. We've talked about it on the show. But the restaurant is finally here. It's finally serving people. Uh, Nathan, I would say we had a pretty good lunch at Fiji's Barbecue. What do you think? Overall, it was uh, it was great. It was considerably better than what I prepared myself for. The you know not to not to say I was expecting bad things, but it was it's a brand new restaurant. Um, Patrick's using a new smoker, something he hasn't used for uh, you know a significant amount of time. It takes a while to to not only season the smoker, but to to really get used to the smoker itself. Even I know he's using an oiler, but there's still going to be, you know, cooler spots and hotter spots and things like that. Um, and then on top of that, um, I saw that they were just swamped right out of the gate, which can which can really just destroy the quality of a a service for a small small restaurant like that. And um, the the food I had was was really good. And Patrick even told us that he thought the he was worried that the food would be a little subpar, at least per his standards. 
because he had an issue with the smoker last night. Um, yeah, we couldn't. It, right. He he told us that he, he wound up cooking the briskets a little hotter and a little more quickly than he intended to. But I thought the quality of the brisket was good. It was seasoned well. Yeah, maybe he it should keep doing that. rendered nicely. Yeah, maybe maybe he should. Uh, we had pork ribs that we really liked. I had his house-made boudin, which he told me is basically just the trimmings from all of the meats just ground together. I would li- I like my boudin with a little bit of livery funk to it. This it, doesn't, did, it didn't have the it funk. It doesn't have that. There's no liver in it. Uh, I think he's trying to get that balance between an efficient way to use the meat trimmings and also a product that he can sell to people. I, I'm not, I don't know if the average Greenway Plaza office worker is ready for livery boudin. Yeah, let's be clear. He is in a food court at an office building, so he's got to take advantage of the customer base that he is here. For the first few weeks, he's going to have the hardcore barbecue people coming through. Uh, luckily, the parking's easy. He, they do validate parking. So if you are a barbecue aficionado, you are in the city, it's very easy to get to. You also have the opportunity to hit a Burger Chan, Rice Box. So if you know you, if you're really craving some barbecue, but you got somebody who doesn't want it, you know it's it's actually kind of a perfect perfect way to hit it up. Um, yeah, the other nice thing about the Fiji's barbecue menu is that they have a a nice selection of vegetable sides. I know we were really impressed with the fried Brussels sprouts that were, you know, Uchi style caramelized in fish sauce. I had uh, mashed sweet potatoes with bananas that I really liked. You had carrots. How were the carrots? Uh, I loved the carrots. I thought they were great. Uh, I'm a huge caramelized or roasted carrots fan. Um, they were they were very good. I didn't think that it would be. I thought it was going to be a lot harder for them to do vegetables as good as they are and kind of the style that they are, but the fact that they're so busy is really helping them keep the the service fresh. I sat in a, a position that when the when there were gaps in the line, I, I could watch, and they were they were really cooking the vegetables quickly and putting them out. They were going through them so fast. They had a, a one to two people just in the back of the the spot, just what from what I could tell, just redoing the uh, Brussels sprouts and the carrots, just keeping them fresh. My wife, uh, they have an option where uh, the sides are normally three dollars a piece which is really affordable for most barbecue places a lot of these places you're paying you know six bucks for a small thing of mediocre macaroni and cheese so three bucks for these sides are really good uh but so they have a you know they're in the green office so they have to kind of go for everybody they have an option three sides for eight dollars if you just want vegetables my wife was one of those people who just wanted vegetables today she got uh carrots she got the elotes corn and she got sprouts, and she loved all of it. Um, she wasn't as b- sold on the carrots as I was, though she really liked them. Um, she's not a hardcore carrot fan as I am. But she uh, she loved my Brussels sprouts. She said the sprouts were one of the best vegetables she's had in a while. And then um, the elotes corn was delicious. Yeah, and if you get the three-vegetable plate, it leaves more room for the peanut butter and jelly chocolate cake. It basically tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup that I I really enjoyed. It does taste like a Reese's cake. Uh, it was very moist. I don't know. Is the jelly what keeps the cake moist? I don't know. Yeah, it must be. Because I didn't get a lot of jelly flavor, but a lot of chocolate, a lot of peanut butter. Yeah, I didn't get the jelly. I didn't even know there was jelly in the cake. I just grabbed it. Um, I thought it was just chocolate and peanut butter. It tastes like chocolate and peanut butter. Very Reese's-esque. All right, so... 
this compares well with other barbecue restaurants, especially for being when we tried it on the fourth day of service. Yeah, actually, I would put it right up in there with some of the uh, better ones. Um, if this had the if this was going, you know, a year ago, I don't see how this meal we had in this one little window of time wasn't top fifty worthy. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Top. Uh, if they if they keep this up, top ten in Houston for sure. Maybe creeping into the back end of the top five. Yeah, for sure. All right. And then just briefly, you just spent a week in Vancouver and Seattle. Did you have one favorite restaurant in Seattle that you would recommend to people who are traveling there? So let, let, me, let me split my Seattle into two suggestions. Uh, I had a really great meal at a restaurant called Le Messe, uh, which is a pasta-forward Italian, they call it Northwest Italian style uh, restaurant uh, by, I think his name is Brian Vellinger. Um, it is in the East Lake area of Seattle. Very, very good restaurant. Very produce forward um, and a little seafood heavy restaurant. F- very great meal. Just fantastic. And then um, a place that I love in Seattle, uh, it's called uh, Maono Chicken. It is Hawaiian style fried chicken. Uh, you have two different options. You either have their um, actual, you know, restaurant space, which you have to order the whole bird. They fry the entire chicken. Or you can go to Rachel's Ginger Beer in the uh, university area, and they can get the chicken sandwiches, which is my favorite part. Uh, and you can get in a range, range of different ways from either, you know, just spicy to, oh, my God, this is so spicy. I need to drink four gallons of Rachel's, Rachel's Ginger Beer. Um, and it, I, I got the spicy version cause I was a little cocky and I love spicy things and it was so spicy. I, I needed to eat like two gallons of ice cream afterwards cause it, I, I had to order another chicken sandwich cause it was way too spicy. Uh, but man, it is good. It's the crispiest, crunchiest chicken. Uh, so Maono chicken for casual, La Messe for kind of, uh, uh, you want your, your produce forward, uh, pasta. All right. Very good. That does it for our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around because I will be right back with Jonathan Levine from Jonathan's The Rep. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Joined now by Jonathan Levine, chef owner of Jonathan's The Rub, a memorial area institution. Just celebrated its 10th anniversary. Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we just had a 10th anniversary. I can't believe it's gone by so fast. It's just incredible. Yeah. Why don't we kind of start at the beginning? I mean, I, I know I know some listeners are probably familiar with your story. Some people maybe not so much. How did you wind up in Houston? Well, I, I had a restaurant on uh, a few restaurants, uh, one after the other on Cape Cod. I, I kind of built them up and sold them. I didn't plan on selling them. People wanted to buy them, so I sold them. And then um, the last one, a place called Kingsway, was on a country club, and um, Country Clubs of America came in and made me an offer. But in the interim, um, my wife and I were separating, and um, I just let her have the whole thing and uh, came uh, to Houston. My sister was here, and... um, I had just moved my mom here, and I figured I'd start fresh. So, and then, 
how did you because I know you started out kind of catering right the first the first uh, go around was um, I was always in the catering business we had restaurant and catering we had in-house catering because it was rather a large facility and then um, I always love it I always love catering that's kind of like showtime for me and uh, so we started that way um, we had a small uh, commissary kitchen which um, oh, we used to cater on location and we ran that for four years and then um, in the mini mall that we were in there was four suites and this, we were in one and then the second suite became a available so i said hey back in the restaurant business here we go again so <laughs> yeah i i like that the nice thing about jonathan's is that it's such an eclectic menu you do a little bit of like kind of new york italian food you do kind of steaks and chops and then you do some kind of eclectic you do like some asian influence stuff you do some some seafood how did you how did you develop the menu for that in the business a long time. I'm, I'm 30 years into this, and um, I think I'm the oldest living line cook uh, in Houston. Um, you and Robert, I, I know Robert yeah. Grande still pulls, a, pulls yeah. a few shifts on the line every now and then. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's got a couple of months on me. We're both the same age. Um, but um, we, we just... Um, it's like a compilation album. So it's everything that I've done to, to this point. And then I really got into Houston cuisine at the time. Houston, when I first started uh, 15 years ago, Houston cuisine wasn't as diverse as it is now, to say the least. Um, but um, I got into the Southwest flavors, developed, 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 developed. You know how it is. You know, a chef just keeps going on, going on, going on. So, um, so we developed another uh, add-on to all the other stuff, and it's uh, so I have, you know, we call it New Houston. I have, the, I have, of course, Brooklyn Italian because even though I'm a Jewish guy, you know, Brooklyn is an Italian uh, restaurant uh, destination, and then um, seafood because I was on Cape Cod and uh, developed, uh, you know, repertoire for doing that. So I. You know, I kept learning and learning and learning. I'm a self-taught guy, um, but certainly when the internet came about, I mean, just kept studying, just kept studying. And the restaurant's really grown over the years. I mean, you said you had you had one suite and then you had a second suite. Now you have the whole center. Yeah, we have the whole. It started at one, and then it's two, and then it's three, four suites. Uh, we we the last one we is mostly for catering. Uh, so we have about 100 seats inside and 25 seats outside, which is still, you know, modest. And um, we have a tiny kitchen, so we don't, we can't handle uh, that much more out of that kitchen. So with 125 seats all, you know, on, a, on good weather days is about, you know, where we want to be. Yeah, and you guys were rocking and rolling for the 10th anniversary party. Lots of big parties, lots of people having a good time. Oh, definitely. I mean, we rock and roll most most nights of the week. You know, Monday, Tuesday, a little bit off, but um, we're um, we're cranking. There's no doubt about it. We're cranking. So, you know, my mother and I joined you for for dinner last week for the tenth anniversary. She had a a Thai seafood dish with like this, <laughs> it's like this curry and this bright lemongrass. 
Oh God! I mean, yeah. it was it was really good. Well, you know, we have an advantage um, because um, we get kaffir lime leaves, which is the essential bringing over the top Thai thing. Because a neighbor grows kaffir limes, and he uh, brings his lime leaves over, fresh picked. They come picked, and I cook them. It's <laughs> and they're so aromatic, and it's just it's just an incredible thing. So. So yeah, so obviously the restaurant has expanded in size over over ten years. How else has it changed? What's different now than than when you started? Ah, just generally the level of cuisine. You know, we we don't lose anybody there. We have for some reason we have this environment there that not only do we cook, keep um, excuse me, keep our front of the house, but our back of the house guys have been there for years and years and years. So we've been able to uh, develop. Um, a pretty, pretty sophisticated cuisine coming out of that place. And uh, it's better and better and better. I'm just thrilled with the whole thing. So, And then, well, and then I, I know your family's involved too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, my son and daughter, uh, my, my daughter's been involved with me since she's really like 14 years old back on Cape Cod where she would organize the wait staff, mostly front of the house. And she's a take charge girl. I mean, Jessica is, uh, you know, like my boss. I mean, she's, <laughs> she, she runs, she runs. And then Sam, my, my uh, son, uh, has really become a restaurant man. I mean, he's, he's just taken hold and, uh, he does both front and back, and uh, he's uh, great at what he does now. So it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I know that Sam is. Uh, Sam's always checking out new places. I feel like I see him on yeah. social media, you know, yeah. posting pictures from one place or or checking in on Facebook at another. Yeah, he's he's my uh, spy in the mist. He <laughs> just, you know, lets me know what's going on. He just loves the whole scene, and he knows so many players and. Uh, you know, he influences me in a lot of different ways, and he tells me which ones to go to, which new restaurants to go to, and which to avoid. So I, you know, I don't have much time. I, I mean, I'm a busy guy, so I go to the ones that he recommends, and he's typically right. There's a yeah. lot of good restaurants in this city right now. So what's the last thing he sent you to? Actually, we went to uh, Helen in the Heights, uh, and then I went to, which was pretty good. Uh, menu's kind of... Small. I like more extensive menus. And then we went to um, Hugo Ortega's place for um, for brunch. Um, you went to Sochi. Yeah, we went to Sochi, and um, it was phenomenal. And that's really a direction where I'm leaning. I'm I'm learning and I'm studying. And in fact, I'm going to Mexico City and Oaxaca City to really beef up my uh, knowledge of. Uh, authentic Mexican food. I'm, I'm taking cooking classes in both locations. And uh, I've been, I mean, I've been doing it on the side. My, that's my Sunday projects because we're closed on Sundays, but uh, we're going to, we're going to go a little bit it's in, in the new restaurant. We're going to go uh, a little bit more into that aspect. So We'll come back to the new restaurant in just a second, sorry, but yeah. no, 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 no. Look, we gotta, you know, I'm just trying to, just trying to walk you through this in a way that that will make sense to people. What is it about 
interior Mexican cuisine and Oaxacan cuisine that, that has you so intrigued as a, as a chef? The first, the first thing, there's two things. The first thing is, is a combination of chilies. I mean, I'm using five and six chilies that I never really, you know, heard of back east. I mean, it's just um, amazing with the different flavors, different heat, uh, different uh, scoffle units. I mean, it's just um, uh, an amazing array. And then the cheeses also. And then I'm, I'm a big mole guy, so I have to go to Oaxaca City because it's the, it's the, it's the epicenter of moles. So I'm going to try to incorporate those into uh, you know new new dishes. I am already. I'm, I mean, I've already started. I bring specials on um, that I've mastered and uh, getting rave receptions. I mean, they're becoming like our top seller specials when we run them. So, so yeah. So you are opening a second restaurant later this year in the Memorial Green Development, which is on Memorial Drive, kind of. Between, well, I, I think of it as between uh, the Sam Houston Toll Road and Gessner, kind of half. Yes, exactly, them. exactly. Yeah. Um, how did that come together? Well, actually, we were in the process of kind of developing where we are. Uh, the catering space that we have now, we were going to turn it to more seating, build um, a new kitchen. And then uh, the Midway people who are developing that project came to us. And uh, the CEO, Brad Frills, who um, I know, I cater for him, I cater for his wife, Claudia, uh, walked in and grabbed my arm and he grabbed Jessica's arm and he says, come with me. So when Brad says, come with me, I went with him. And um, Yeah, we should say Midway is a major local real estate developer. <laughs> yeah. They built City Center, they built... Uh, the new building that the that Kieran's is in, they've, sure. they've got all kinds of stuff. Sure. And um, you know, when they speak, people listen. <laughs> so um, we went over there, and uh, the 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 spot where they want to put us was like, okay, where do I sign? It was it's a V restaurant uh, location in in the complex. There's only two restaurants going to be there. Uh, us and Dish Society, which is it's a great symbiotic thing between the two of us. We're very, very different. Uh, they do great food. We, you know, and hopefully we'll do great food. And uh, so it's a good marriage. And uh, it's a big space. Well, for us, it's a big space. So, and uh, about 5,000 square feet. And, um, you know, we're ready to roll. We're going to be, uh, we just received our permit uh, last Friday. Um, and um, we're building right now. And then I know you're working with a couple of folks to kind of help you bring the vision to life. Shepard Ross, the uh, restaurateur, I know he he did some consulting on Kieran's. He did some work for Maison Pucci Bistro. He's going to be a partner in the Bravery Chef Hall. And Linda Salinas, a very talented bartender and I will say a good friend of mine who worked for LaGrange and uh, Hungry's and Bernie's Burger Bus and a whole bunch of other places. Um, what is it about those two? How did you decide to work with them? Well, uh, Linda came to us through our, um, public relations connection. Um, and, uh, Marie Elkamel runs pop PR. Uh, they know each other for years. And I just kind of haphazardly mentioned that we would it'd be nice to have, um, a great cocktail program. That's really what I was after. And, um, 
boom. It was, you know, it was Linda interviewed her, met her. She's a friend. She's just, she's got it. She's got it. And um, she's going to develop these programs. She's doing drinks. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a bar guy. She's a bar person. And, and uh, what she's coming up with right now is just incredible stuff. I know it's going to work, and it's going to be gangbusters. Um, I have great confidence in her. Then um, Shepard Ross um, has been a friend for years and years and years and years, and now he's getting more into the consulting thing uh, rather than ownership thing. And um, in talking, he kind of came to us and said, you know, he'll help. And from that, we formalized a relationship, and he is our manager to get us open on time, in budget, um, and his suggestion, he's, he's a whirlwind, that man. He just, he knows the scene. He knows what to do. He's been through it. Um, you know, he knows how to stick on budget. Um, well, I won't let him change. So it's, you know, budget is budget is budget. And, um, I just have so much, so much uh, love for that guy. He's just, he's like the player to, in my mind in the, in the Houston restaurant scene. He knows all, all the movers and shakers. He knows menu. He knows service. I mean, his service expectations are going to really, really help us. So, yeah. I mean, if uh, if Jonathan's the rub in its original location was kind of a an under the radar, you know, built your reputation slowly. Uh, you're not going to have that luxury this time. You know, I, I think <laughs> no, no. all eyes are going to be on you guys from right. the day you open the doors. So how, how much better, I mean, to have Shepard Ross helping you? I mean, it doesn't get better. I mean, he's going to make sure that we're up and running day one. That's the object of the game. Yeah. How, so so now that you're kind of into the, the build-out and the development, how is the new location going to be different than the original? There's a few major differences. First of all, there's going to be, uh, on the similar name, there's going to be similar menu items, sort of our our um, the nuts and bolts of of the of the restaurant uh, menu from the original are still going to be there to some degree. But then we branch out, and uh, I'm coming up with a name. I guess it's out there already. Pan uh, Pan Latino or Pan Latin. I don't know the best way to say it where we integrate uh, the stuff that I'm um, mastering right now with, um, with my trips to uh, Mexico and my studying uh, Mexi- true Mexican cuisine. In, in, you know, in, in, in the same kind of context as Hugo Ortega, I mean, Hugo, Hugo is off the charts. You know? If I can come up with stuff that is similar and is good, wow, man. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. But that's going to be part of our menu. You know, I'm into extensive menus. I want I want something for everyone. I want somebody, you know, that wants fish to have fish. I want somebody, I mean, regular fish. You have a, you know, sautéed snapper or you have, you know, grilled snapper. And then um, steak, great steaks. I mean, only prime meats. Um, we're entertaining a few different suppliers right now. We haven't narrowed it down, but top of the food chain. And then uh, to combine that with true Mexican, not I'm not talking Tex-Mex, we're talking real deal, 
Um, and uh, I think it's it's a no lose, and you know we're trying trying to do everything great, and we don't compromise on ingredients, get the best of the best, and let it rip. I mean that's it, you know. Have you started thinking about how you're going to divide your time between the two locations? I mean, obviously the new one's going to yeah most I mean, of your attention. Ba- basic, basically, the way it's going to work is my son Sam is going to run the existing location. Uh, we have a great crew there. The crew is going to basically stay the same. Um, and then we're going to, for the new place, my daughter and I are going to run it, um, back of the house, front of the house. And um, and then bring on a crew there that um, can handle me, which is not necessarily easy, and then um, uh, do great stuff. So, All right, and then, I know I've personally heard this story before, but I, I love this story, and so I just want to hear it again. Tell people, tell people where the rub, the, the notion, like the, the development of the rub, and where and where that comes from. Well, you know, it's it's a it, maybe people don't know it this, but it's a play on words. So we we're here, we are, East Coast people, New York, Boston, blah blah blah, um, coming into Houston, Texas, which is the home of rubbed meats i mean it's barbecue and and spice rubs um back east yeah we call we call them um we didn't call them rubs we just call it spice blends um here everything was the rub the rub the rub the rub oh what what are you going to rub it with what are you, you know what's your brisket rub and blah, 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 blah. so um as a play on words because my mother was a Shakespearean, and still is, a Shakespearean scholar. Uh, in the Hamlet soliloquy, uh, to be or not to be, um, there's mention of herein lies the rub. And the, and the rub is all the conundrums in life that are questions that can't be answered. Is there life after death? Do you dream after you die? Is life worth living the strings and arrows of outrageous fortune? I mean... So my son, Sam, actually said, um, well, Dad, why don't you call it The Rub? So that was going to be the original name. And then um, we went to uh, Maria and Chris Pappas's house, who we catered for. This is the Pappas from Pappas. Uh, we were in the same area they live in. And um, I showed my business plan to Chris, and the last page was the name and the logo, and it was called The Rub. Well, Chris kind of like took the business plan, threw it on the ground, and he said, "You can't call a place the rub. They're going to call. It, they're going to think it's a massage parlor." <laughs> so, I mean, that's you know. So I'm like shrinking in my seat. I think I got it. He loves the business plan. My numbers are right. But so Marie, his wife, Maria walks in and she says, "Jonathan, if you have to call it the rub." Call it Jonathan's the Rub, okay? I said, that's fine, okay. I took my business plan. I said, thanks, guys, see you later. And I walked out because I didn't want any more talk about it. That was it. It's Jonathan's the Rub, and let's move on. <laughs> so that's the whole tale. So, but so... You're going to open the new restaurant, and and the current restaurant's not going anywhere. No, no, it's that I, I, you know, I didn't elaborate before, but it's it's a BYOB joint. 
Right. And it's going to stay a BYOP joint. It's so, I mean, we have great wines at great prices. And, um, but we allow people to bring in their wines. And the, the concept is we don't want them going to specs and, you know, grabbing a bottle and putting it in a brown paper bag and bringing it in. That's not what we're about. We're about people in our neighborhood that have their cellars and they have their, their closets full of wine and they want to bring something special. Say a four top works in, walks in. And then, uh, so they'll, they'll bring a couple of bottles and the, the other two people bring, and they're all top end. So that's what we're about. Bringing top, top end wines. Corkage fee is about 20 bucks. It makes sense at that point. It doesn't make sense to bring in a spec, you know, in a bag type wine. It makes sense when you bring in a great wine that you want to share with, with your friends so that's, that's what we do. And uh, we, we do have some great wines, and we're expanding our wine list as well. And, and they're ridiculously inexpensive. I mean, we don't do the two, three, four markup stuff. You know, if we do it, if we mark up twice, it's a lot. We just, we just you know, I, I don't make the wine. I mean, why am I charging, charging people so much money for the wine? I make the food. Let me charge for the food, Okay. The wine, we do it really, really, really uh, inexpensive pricing. And um, so what happens is people come in and they'll drink their wines that they brought with them and then they run out, run out and then they buy our wine. So the whole thing, the whole thing works. It's, the whole thing works. Well, very good. I think that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there's some other topic you've just been dying to get off your chest. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of topics in the about the rest of the rest well, of the world yeah. out I mean, there, I could, but we'll, we'll, we'll go into it. Right. I I mean, I know you have strong <laughs> opinions about the current state of yeah Houston restaurants. I don't yeah. know if you want to. I, I, I don't, don't know, know if you want to expound or not. <laughs> I mean, we can go on and on and on. The, the the one thing that gets me, let me just is that there's so many restaurants out there where there's like seven or eight entrees, you know. I mean, seven or eight entrees, it's just not interesting to me. You can, it's just not, it's not enough variety. I mean, people, the way people come into our place, we have 50 entrees. A four top comes in. One guy could order Italian. Another lady can order seafood. Another guy can order the new, new Houston. Another guy can order a series of appetizers. We have it all there, and it's all great. It's really good food. You know, this way they can really enjoy the experience. They're not locked in to, f- to find, you know, five to seven entrees. I find that, I find, you know, my, my, my real opinion on it is that chefs get lazy. How can, how can they be so into cooking five or seven entrees over and over and over and over and over and over? It just doesn't seem the way to do it to me, so... Well, you you save on costs, right? You got yeah, less to prep. Yeah. It's you get really good at it. It's not. It's as, lazy, almost. It's lazy. You know, do it. If you're a restaurateur, do it. You ever go to Baltazar in New York? The, yeah. The, the, the freaking menu is two hundred, and they and they're all good, and they have great people doing it. So anyway, that's that's the one point. I don't mean I don't want to dwell on it and all. I can go on and on about that, but you know me. I do. <laughs> so. Hey, so let me 
but you have, I mean, you have people who eat there like a couple times a week, probably. Always, yeah. Do they get the same thing every time, or do they like that variety? Um, we have a f- some people that definitely order the same thing over and over and over and over again. Then we have the vast majority are the experimenters. They'll go from one column to the next column to the next. They'll ask our recommendations. They come over. You know, we have an open kitchen, so they come to me. And they say, what do you recommend tonight? I said, you know, and I'll give them my recommendation. And they'll go with it and like it. It's, right. You know? we, got, we got the lime leaves in. We're ready to go. Have the Thai dish. <laughs> exactly. The cafe lime leaves make, <laughs> make Thai dishes. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say oh. the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. Jonathan Levine, what is the first restaurant you ever worked at? First restaurant was um, the Fairways on, on a golf course on Cape Cod. So I, it was breakfast and lunch. So I, I cooked breakfast and lunch and then play nine holes. Nice. Uh, what is your favorite ingredient? Favorite ingredient. That's tough. That's tough. I'd, I'd like, I'd like um, my favorite ingredient, if I'm going to eat, I mean, I like the Chilean sea bass. Are you talking about entree food? Or, I'm or? talking about your, you're the, you're the chef. I'm just saying what's yeah. your favorite ingredient. You know, I'm not a big fish eater, but if I have a piece of Chilean fish, Chilean sea bass in front of me, it's, it's wonderful. All right. Who's your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Houston, I'm a New England fan. What is a second here? Oh. You've lived in Houston for 15 years. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I like James Harden. I went to the game last night. James Harden is for real. He's ridiculous. All right. What's the first band you ever saw in concert? Zeppelin. That's, a That's great Zeppelin. Oh. And where's your favorite place to get a taco? Uh, oh, taco. Oh. Since I'm not a taco eater too often, but um, um, I went to I went to the one on Kirby. What was that guy's name? Jesus. Um, Good Company Picos. No, it wasn't Picos. It was, just, it was the guy that used to make only pizza, and then he went into tacos. Uh, God, it was good. Oh man, you got me on that one. But it was. Um, you have a favorite burger? <laughs> Other than yours, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, favorite burger? I, uh, I oh, Kenny and Ziggy's has got a great burger. Yeah, the Frida uh, meat. Yeah, yeah Frida is. I mean, that's ridiculously good. So, sorry about the taco. I just don't eat them. That that's often. all right. We're uh, all right. So tell us, tell us your website so that people can follow you and and visit your restaurant and all that stuff. Thank you. It's uh, jonathansterub.com. And um, we have face, you know, we have presence on Facebook and, um, of course. And uh, people can find us pretty easily. So uh, we, we would prefer if people do reservations that go to our website rather than going to Open Table, which is, you know, right. a little bit you more see. pricey. Right, right. You save yeah. a little. You save a little money when people book through your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, they make a reservation. It's good by me. I mean, <laughs> I don't mind paying that open table bill. Let me tell you, when it comes, I'm paying it. So, 
All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. That was so cool. Thanks to Nathan Ketchum. You can follow him on Twitter at H-Town Food Junkie. You can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can email me, Eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.